You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Steve. Good morning. Dan kind of set me up fairly well this morning without even realizing it because he had his Halloween candy story um, during the announcements, which was kind of interesting because uh, one of the things that I think of often in the summertime that drives me crazy is uh, this Christmas in July. You guys seen this that happens? Sometimes you'll see places that want to do Christmas in July because I guess another six months is just too far off. Um, but the other thing that has been happening in my household lately is kind of like Thanksgiving in August. Um, and I'm not sure why. Well, I am sure why. I have a pregnant wife at home. And one of her cravings right now is Thanksgiving food. So every time I walk in the door, I'm smelling stuffing and turkey and cranberry in the middle of August. Yeah, not a problem, right? As long as you like that. And I, I'm, no, I'm, I'm a fan. So one of the things that I thought of this week, especially looking into um, Psalm 100, which we're going to talk about today, is you know Thanksgiving is a time where we all, especially as a nation, come together to give thanks for the things we're thankful for. But as Christians, every day for us should really be thanksgiving, right? We should be giving thanks to the Lord always, right? For everything we have, God is good, God is eternal, and God's responsible for everything in our lives, right? Our livelihood, our families, our homes, our jobs, everything we have comes from God, and it's for that reason that he deserves our thanks. And not only does he deserve our thanks, but Psalm 100, although only five verses, it's a very small psalm, um, it does a great job of reminding us to give thanks to God and also kind of laying out for us some ways that we should be giving thanks. And so that's what we're going to kind of look at today, are a few ways of how we give thanks to God. So... We're going to start in Psalm 100. Um, if you're looking in your Bibles out there or on your phones, we're going to be in Psalm 100. Uh, we'll have them up here as well. Um, psalm 100 is a psalm of thanks. It's a psalm of thanksgiving, um, giving thanks to God. And so the first two verses of that psalm start off by saying, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. That brings me to our first point, our first thing to remember when giving thanks to God, and that's be excited to give thanks. Here in the psalm, the psalmist writes, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Um, in the original Hebrew, it roughly translates to make a glad shout. Right? This is something that they would have seen, especially in biblical times, when the king walked into his court. People would be like, huzzah, yeah, woo! And they'd start shouting for the king. Right? It was a glad shout. It was kind of like a woo, woo, woo. Right? It was like a cheer type situation. Um, and it's easy for us to kind of put this aside and say, well, this is sort of a cultural thing. But it really is not. Because as people, we still get excited about things. Right? And we still make excited shouts. Uh, and some of the things that popped into my head when I was thinking about this this week, I am a huge football fan. Some of you might be football fans out there. Some of you may even be blessed as much as Phil and I am to be Vikings fans. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that I think of when I think of football 
is noise. Right? If you've ever watched football games, the stadiums get ridiculously loud. Right? The Kansas City Chiefs Arrowhead Stadium is known to be so loud that the opponents practice during the week with music blaring because they know they won't be able to hear during the game. Right? And that's the second loudest stadium. The first loudest stadium is CityLink Stadium, which is the Seattle Seahawks' home. And their fans are known as the 12th man because their noise level causes such an advantage during the game. Right? That's sounds of excitement. That's joy. So we still do this as a group. But at the same time, do we do this, right, do we do this at church? <laughs> and it's not just football. You may not be a football fan, right? But right now, one of the things that just wrapped up were the Olympics. And you, say that you see the same thing in the Olympics, right? You see fans who have their banners, they have the flags of their countries, um, they paint their faces, whether it's football, the Olympics, or any kind of sport, right? They'll paint their faces, they paint their bodies, they'll have their hats, all of this stuff, and be screaming and yelling in excitement for their team when their team comes out. Um, I don't necessarily see all that excitement in church anymore. And that is what is really talked about in this psalm, and it says, you know, make a joyful noise to the Lord. That's a joyful noise, is that type of excitement. Right? I didn't see any foam fingers this morning <laughs> during worship. <laughs> and it's not to call anyone out. It doesn't mean you have to paint your face for God when you come into church. Matter of fact, that might throw some visitors off. They might start questioning exactly what kind of church we are. Um, if they came in and you people, had, we had big, you know, eight eight-colored rainbow, you know, Afro wigs, and we had, you know, banners and stuff. People might go, what is this? Um, but you don't need all the paraphernalia to have the excitement, to have the joy in your heart, right? And that joy, not only is it something that we're, we're showing the importance of to God, we're showing how excited we are to be able to thank him for everything he does, right? But that joy spreads through the worship, if you've ever been to a sporting event or the Olympics, I haven't been to the Olympics, but you might be, um, or even like a music concert, right? When people start getting excited, everyone starts getting excited. And that starts to spread. So we should be, the first step we should be doing in thanking God appropriately is getting excited about thanking God, right? If we can show that kind of stuff to a sports team or to a music band, Right? then we, can, we should easily be able to show it to the creator of the universe, the person who is responsible for all of the blessings we have. Oftentimes, as the psalmist kind of mentions here, when joy and excitement happen, singing breaks out. Now, we have worship here. We start with singing, we end with singing. Um, but singing is a, a natural break, a natural breakout, a natural expression of joy and excitement, of true joy and excitement. The psalmist, the psalmist tells us that we should come into his presence with singing. And that's one of the reasons we, we do worship here at church. This is not a mournful or melancholy singing. 
right? And that's what we should think of, too. We, we, we know we come in and do worship, but what type of singing should we be doing, right? It's not mournful and melancholy, necessarily. We're giving thanks, right? Think wedding, not funeral, <laughs> which works out even better, right? Because wedding is a celebration. Um, I've been to a number of weddings, and I'll tell you, singing breaks out. Right? Singing, dancing, things get crazy at weddings because people are so excited. They're so excited for the couple that's being married. They're excited to be with family, with friends. Um, I've seen people lose their minds when the YMCA comes on. Right? Or the electric slide. Everyone knows the, the words and they start singing it like crazy. Um, again, that's singing breaking out from joy. And that's how we should be here, too, right? During worship, again, we don't need to line up and do choreographed dancing during worship, but we should have that joy in our hearts. We should have that excitement in our voices. Um, we don't necessarily, right? Um, I've seen a lot of people that do singing. Some people raise their hands to show their, their joy and their excitement and their thankfulness, um, and all of that is appropriate and great ways to worship. Right. Um, what this should remind us, though, is that we don't necessarily need to be like. Right. You guys know this, but I've, I'm not pointing putting anybody on the spot. All right. But occasionally we will have the person that's lip syncing. Right. And they're just kind of like down a little bit. Right. That's not necessarily the same as joyful. Right. As excited. And you don't have to be the best singer because God knows what's in your heart. Um, I knew there was a Scottish preacher once who, um, it was not Alistair Begg, this was a man who was in England, although I, whenever I think Scottish preacher, I think Alistair Begg. But this was a Scottish preacher um, back a number of years ago, and they were doing worship at his church, and he was singing out loud, and he was not a great singer. He was off-key, he had a big burly voice, and it just did not come out great. And after the service, one of the ladies came up and she said, you know, your singing's not that great. And he looked at her, plain-faced, and he said, well, it wasn't for you. <laughs> right? Because he was singing to God. It didn't matter if he had a good voice or not. It was the joy, the excitement that was in his heart. Right? And that's the first step that the psalmist here in Psalm 100 reminds us of, is when we come to give thanks to God, we should be giving th thanks with excitement and joy in our heart. The next verse that moves on here in, is verse 3 um, in, in Psalm 100, and it says, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. The next point that we need to kind of get from this psalm as we're looking at it is we need to be humble to give thanks. We need to know the Lord and be humble in his presence to give thanks. We need to keep the right perspective when we're giving thanks. Know the Lord is God. He made us. We are his, the psalmist says. I stopped at the store this morning to grab my coffee, as I always do. Um, on my way in, Somebody was in front of me coming out, and they held the door for me, and I grabbed it real quick, and I went, thanks, and headed in. Got my coffee, got my, my empanada or whatever they were selling with it. And uh, on my way out, 
somebody else grabbed the door and I said, thanks, real happy, and walked right by. I was thinking about this when I got here, and I didn't even think twice about that in both instances. As I paid for my glorious beverage, the cashier said, have a nice day, and I said, thanks, and headed back out as well. Three interactions where I gave thanks. But I wasn't really giving it from a humble spot. I wasn't even, to be honest, I don't know how much of it I was giving from being thankful. It was more out of habit. It was more out of good manners in my upbringing, out of societal expectation, that when somebody grabs the door, you say thanks, right? Giving thanks to God should not be a quick thanks on your way out the door. Right? It needs to be something that we've really thought out. It needs to be something where we're, we're thankful because of everything God, God has done for us. We're thankful because he made us and we are his. It's not just something that we are taught as a good manner. Right? Oh, we should say grace because it's a habit. Or should we say grace because we're really thankful for this meal and for everything God's given us? Right? Should we pray because we're taught to pray before we go to bed at night or when we get up in the morning? Or we should, should we be praying because we understand the position we're in? We understand everything God has done for us and how good he's been to us. And we really, we just have to thank him every day for that. When we give thanks to God, we need to remember that it's because God deserves it. Right? God created everything about you. He created your arms, your legs. He created your eyes, your brain, your smile. Um, everything that makes you, you, was specifically designed by God. Everything. Charles Spurgeon, who's a theologian that I am a big fan of, Charles Spurgeon once said, it's very questionable whether a man can know himself until he knows his God. Everything about us was planned and made by God. Not only that, but we're his. We belong to God. There should be comfort in that as well as feeling of thankfulness. We belong to him, we're his sheep. The psalmist says, we're the sheep in his pasture. Right? Sheep are a humble animal. That's why it's one of the... the um, connections and metaphors that's used for, for people throughout, throughout the Bible is the fact that sheep are, they're a humble animal, right? Um, they're not a smart animal, but they're a humble animal. Um, and we need to be humble. We need to know our place as far as where God ranks above us and the fact that it's all, everything we have is by God's grace. Um, I almost called this know your place, but I thought that wouldn't have been a great point. Um, to, to run on unless it had a lot to, you know, of understanding behind it. That's a point you name after you do all the explanation. Um, but we need to be humble when we give thanks to God. It's easy, especially in today's culture, to lose that humility. We live in a culture today that we can fall into a trap of thinking that we're self-made individuals. There's a culture and a, and a thought process of we're a self-made man or I'm a self-made woman. I've grabbed my bootstraps and pulled them up and done everything I've got is because of what I've done. 
And a lot of the influence from outside pushes in on this. And it's become a very self-centered culture that we live in. Because everything is, you know, mine and everything is because of me, right? Then we also have things like self-love, right? Self-care. Um, people will say, well, as long as you take care of yourself. It's terrible advice, right? As long as you love yourself. Again, pretty selfish advice, right? Um, as long as it's your truth. That doesn't even make sense, right? Truth is not subjective. <laughs> but this all comes out of this process of I'm self-made and everything revolves around the self. We've become a self-made culture and boy, do we love the creator. <laughs> we are enamored with ourselves, right? When we're giving thanks to God, we need to remember that that's not the truth. Everything we have and everything we've experienced was part of God's plan. He deserves real gratitude. He deserves honest, genuine thanks um, from the creations that understand where their place is in the universe. Our place is that we're his sheep. He's our father. He's the one who created us for his purposes and for his plans. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You guys remember that. It's one of my favorite verses. Notice Steve wasn't mentioned anywhere there. <laughs> Jesus didn't say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And oh yeah, Steve's pretty good too. Didn't happen. None of us were, were, were mentioned there because that's not where our place is. And that's not something that should weigh us down. We shouldn't go, oh man, I'm not, I'm not good. I'm not. No, we're never going to be where God is. Our purpose is to glorify and to thank him for the things he does for us out of grace. We don't deserve anything that he does for us, but he does it for us anyway. And that's why we should be thankful. And we, should, we, we have to keep that in mind in order to give real thanks. If we think everything we did has to do with us, then what are we really thanking God for? It's not a genuine thanks, unless we know exactly how things came to be and who's responsible for them. Verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, and bless his name. And that brings up the next point that the psalmist is talking about, how we give thanks. We've talked about we need to be excited to give thanks. We need to be humble to give thanks. We also need to be in his presence to give thanks. The psalmist says, you know, enter his gates, be in his courts, give thanks to him to bless his name. In order to give meaningful, authentic thanks to God, we must spend time with him. The psalmist here tells us to enter his gates and to be in his courts. You can tell where your priorities and your heart lie by how you allocate your time. When I was younger, I was a bowler. I know it's tough to tell. I don't have my bowling physique anymore. <laughs> but I was a bowler from the time I was like 10 years old. I bowled throughout my, my adolescence. I was a college bowler, NCAA, uh, back in my fit days. Um, I loved bowling. I bowled probably every day. 
I mean, not just like, yeah, I like to go to the lanes. I had six different bowling balls, one for every different type of lane. I knew the mathematics behind it, not just keeping score, like how many boards there were, you know, where you shot from this mark to hit that, right? The optical illusions of the 60-foot lane, right? All sorts of different nonsense that I had memorized and knew, right? It was obvious when talking to people, I loved bowling because my time was filled with that. I still like bowling, but I don't have the time to do that anymore. To be honest, it's probably been two years since I've bowled, since I've had the time to go out with a few friends and, and, and bowl, right? Um, could I say I still love bowling? Probably not. Because if I told one of you, oh, I love to bowl, it's, it's like my life, I love it. And then you said, oh, really, when's the last time you went? And I said, two years ago. You'd be like, man, he really, he loves bowling? I mean, like, every town has a bowling aid. He could have just gone and bowled, right? I mean, it's like 375 or something like that. It's not that expensive to go bowling, right? So if he really loved bowling, wouldn't he be at the lanes? Like, that doesn't make sense because I don't spend my time there anymore. Unfortunately, I have other priorities now, right? Things I love more, right? I spend time with my, with my wife. I spend time with my family. I spend time at church. There's other priorities now that my time is allocated to because it means more, right? I spend time with God, right, in private study, in, in prayer, right? That takes priority, unfortunately, over bowling now. My younger self may not have thought that was a great idea, but I have a lot of different understandings now than I did when I was a young man. Think about how you allocate your time. Where does God fit in? If we told someone how much time we spent in God's presence between private study, church, life groups, prayer, would it be an accurate rep representation of how much we love God? If I said to someone, I really love God, I'm a Christian, I'm all about what Jesus has done for me, salvation, and we start talking about this, and they said, oh, really? When's the last time you went to church? And I said, oh, like a month and a half ago, two months ago. It'd be kind of the same thing as saying I love bowling and I haven't been in two years, right? You can tell where your heart is by how you allocate your time and where you spend it. We have to be in God's presence in order to thank him appropriately. Are we thankful to him? Is this a good representation when we think about how we spend our time? It's something to keep in mind. Verse 5 says, For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. This is just kind of the wrap-up by the psalmist, right? It's the last point. We know that we have to be excited, to be joyous, to be thankful. We know we have to be humble to be thankful. And we know we have to be in God's presence to be thankful, right? And the psalmist wraps it up with the last point of saying, The Lord's good, give thanks. Right? This is why we need to give thanks. The psalmist kind of set out what we need to know to give thanks and how we do it appropriately. And then the, he reminds us by saying, you know, we need to give thanks because the Lord is good. Right? His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness is to all generations. God is good. He's faithful. He endures forever. 
God never runs out. God's love never runs out. Um, his faithfulness never runs out. Ours may. We're flawed beings, but God's never does. If we're thankful for anything in this world, it should be for God. The God that made us, the God that shepherds us, the God that has given us everything we have. We have redemption and eternal life through Jesus, thanks to God. Again, nothing we did to deserve that. God had a great plan for us originally in the garden. We messed it up, and out of his grace, he still provided another way. If we are thankful for nothing else, it should be that. Even if we had nothing else we thought to be thankful for in our lives, if we had salvation, that should be enough. It's more than enough. It's more than anything else we have. A sincere, authentic gratitude is what God deserves. Not just a quick thanks at the door when we're passing. Hey, thanks for the coffee, God. Right? Um, it needs to be a serious, heartfelt, energetic thanks. Ultimately, we love God not for what he's given us, but just for being who he is. Someone who loves us. Someone who created us, who created the world around us, and who, and who provided us a way to have eternal life with him. In a moment, I'm going to have the worship team come back up as I close in prayer. And I want you to think about kind of how do we spend our time with God? What's our energy level? Right? Where's our joy at when we thank God? And do we keep in mind that this is all about God and it's not about us? Um, bow your heads with me as we close in prayer. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for everything you've done for us, Lord. Not a, not a rote thank you, not something out of societal demand or family demand or out of good manners, Lord, but a true and gracious thank you, Lord. A thank you that we can never truly express. We can't express how much we, we, how much we owe, Lord, how much we, we really just need to thank you for everything you've done for us for salvation, for eternal life, Lord, for sending your Son to die on that cross, Lord, and to take our sins, Lord. We, we owe you so much that we would never be able to pay it back, Lord. And we just need to remember that every time we come to worship, to pray, to learn, to read your word, Lord. And we ask that you be with our friends and families this week, Lord. You be with Sean and his family as he's away on vacation. Um, Lord, that you would be with our community and that you would help us be lights to that community and to show through our thankfulness what you've done in our lives and to help that glorify you so that other people know, come to know you. We thank you, Lord, and we just ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.